With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one worldwide radio show. The show's outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high, you'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude, fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise, it's coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great stimulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. Coach Joyce here. I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. I want this to be the best year ever for Dr. Cynthia Collins, her friends and family, our friends and family, and all our worldwide followers, all our listeners. We want this to be your best year ever as well. Joyce, Barry, and friends, the number one radio show. You might be wondering why this is so. Memorable quotes, life lessons, and so much more. The Coach's Corner will make you soar. All outstanding guests that we love to feature, you will find this show to be the best teacher. Great authors like Ted Siuba and Bernie Siegel. Awesome leaders that soar like an eagle. Beverly Nadler with Here's to Your Health. Home business opportunities to increase your wealth. Kurt's impersonation and improvisation add to the show's transformation, broadcasting live across America and around the globe with timely topics and issues to probe. The chat room is always fun. We see your comments and appreciate each one. Want to change your life? Change your approach. And hire me, success coach Joyce Barry, to be your life coach. Uh, folks, that's something I love to do. As much as I love hosting the show, I love coaching people, and the two actually go hand in hand. So if that's something that might interest you, just send an email to CoachJoyce at AOL.com and let us have that conversation. Today's conversation is Tricks of the Trade. Dr. Cynthia Collins is a health psychologist and registered dietitian. She has a few tricks up her sleeve to inspire and motivate you to do what is best for your mind, body, and spirit. If you have trouble eating healthy foods, exercising, and dealing with stress, this show could change your life. Learn the tricks and embark on a magical journey of wellness. And that is today's show, and I'm really excited about it because I definitely could use those tricks. And This show promises, therefore, to be magical. Okay, Dr. Collins, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. Good morning. It's so good to be here again. 
Uh, I'd like to give a little intro on why I wanted this topic today. Uh, I find that over the past several months especially, when I'm speaking to patients who either need help with nutrition or help with their stress management, that they're taking on very big plans, you know, very big changes all at once, or even if it's not that big, they're just very overwhelmed by what they're trying to do. So what I find myself doing is giving them a little trick of the trade. And I'll say, you know what, let's simplify this. Let's just do this one trick, and this will actually solve a few different problems that you have. I find again and again and again I'm simplifying things. So are you finding that people are feeling very overwhelmed these days by lifestyle changes? I would say that's an understatement. I don't know anyone who isn't stressed out in today's world, either on personal issues, national issues, and or global issues. (laughs) So, yes, the answer is yes. All right, that seems definitely true. And I also find that um, a lot of times when we're over, it looks like uh, it's going to be easy for us or look like it's going to work, but it can turn out to be a gimmick or it can turn out to be actually even more costly. For example, if something is called natural, like the natural product or the natural way to do something. Natural does not necessarily mean that it's the best thing. For example, a food. Just because a food or a supplement says natural, that doesn't mean it's the right one for you or it's going to solve your problem. And that's why knowledge is power. I mean, it's so important to get with an expert, like yourself as a coach or myself as a dietitian or psychologist. Get with an expert and find out what really what the real truth of something is. Um, I see many people, you know, taking, for example, um, I don't want to pick on any drinks, but there's a few of them out there where they're meal supplements and they're protein drinks. And if they have a term on it that's something like slim or thinner or healthier or energy, people think, well, automatically that's the thing I need to drink or that's the thing I need to take for energy or to get slimmer. But they actually might be full of more calories than what you're already eating Or they might be full of so much caffeine that they make you a nervous wreck. So I think it's so important not to reach for these simple simple answers that other people are offering, but get with an expert. So uh, let's start with the first example I have. It's probably the most common one, and that's people who are trying to either lose weight or trying to solve their problems with reflux. Reflux is quite an issue for a lot of people where they get heartburn, they get with you know, feelings of indigestion, you know, after a meal for example. So they take all kinds of supplements or they take all kinds of over the counter medication or with weight a lot of people have tried multiple diets. I have patients all the time who've already gone through three, four, five different dietary methods and they've changed everything they ate by following somebody else's idea of what they should eat. Okay, so what would be a trick of the trade for that? When I talk to someone who's overwhelmed with what they're doing, I say, let's just look at the one simple trick of the trade that could solve your problem. That would be food volume. So all you really have to do is look at what you're already eating. You may need other changes, but the first most important change to make is just change the volume of what you eat. It solves reflux somewhat, and it solves overeating, which could be what's behind the weight gain as well. So I like one change at a time, too. I think it's very important with the tricks of the trade that you just do one thing at a time. So that's a super important one. 
I just want to say that I had an issue with reflux twice. I went by ambulance to a hospital because it's the same sensation as if you're having a heart attack, which is how it felt to me. So twice I I ended up in the emergency room, and that's when they told me it was reflux. I couldn't believe it because it happened twice. But I found my own trick of the trade for that one. All it is, it actually works instantly, is Tums, T-U-M-S, the Tums instantly. The minute I get the sensation, I just pop one in my mouth. I keep it handy, and for me, it works instantly. I'm not endorsing it for anyone else. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist, but I just want to say that works for me. You know, um, I'm so glad that you mentioned this because, This is quite a problem. A lot of people who are having a heart attack think they're having reflux. A lot of people who are having reflux think they're having a heart attack. So I just want to say for the listener, if you think you possibly are, you do need to go to the emergency room. I'm glad that you did. That even though it was reflux, I think it's so important to follow up on it until someone says to you, we've checked you out, your heart is fine, your symptoms are reflux. They're not a heart attack. Right. That's so important. The one I buy with the Tums is the one with calcium. And Mm -hmm. the doctors have told me that it is a good source of calcium, the Tums. But as I said, twice I did go to the emergency. When in doubt, you know, check it out. (laughs) So That's right. What what do you think of Tums? Do you know people that use it? For me, it it is really the answer. Oh, yes, and um, it's good. It's the If someone who's using Tums a lot, like let's say you're using at least once a day, go get checked out, get your reflux checked out because you might have a, a bigger problem than just occasional reflux. But, yes, Tums is also a very good source of calcium. It's a very absorbable source of calcium. So, Oh, I just want to say on what you just said, if I use it once a month, it's a lot. It's that one time that I have it. Mm-hmm. I really haven't had issues with that those feelings anymore. So anything mm-hmm. that you take a lot, you definitely need to check it out. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, so um, another trick of the trade for appetite. This is one that has some pretty interesting research behind it. I find it fascinating because it's more of a behavioral thing. They ha- we have studies now that show if you are smelling certain foods, it actually will help decrease your appetite. So, you know, for me, when I smell certain foods, I want to eat. And a lot of people, they say, wow, that really kicks up my appetite. Now I want to eat. But the research is showing that certain particular foods are actually blocking that message to your brain you need to eat because you actually feel satisfied. Interestingly enough, one of the ones I saw research on was chocolate. So if you actually if you smell enough chocolate and saturate your olfactory bulb, which is at the tip of your internal part of your nose, if you saturate that with smelling enough, then you actually will not have the appetite that you had. So I don't know, you know, if how many people are going to actually use this one, but I find the research really fascinating. It is fascinating because for me. Uh, I'm the person who reacts the way you said it as you started to talk about it. I would smell it and immediately want to eat it. 
So for me, it, it works in reverse. It definitely gets me going and wanting, especially I'm a chocoholic, <laughs> for sure. Well, next time, try to really not eat your chocolate and spend a long, a good deal of time smelling it instead. See if that satisfies your urge to actually eat it. That's what they did in these studies. They just had, uh, first they used an animal model, and then they used humans, and they had them smelling for a certain period of time. It takes a, it takes a good period of time, like maybe 10 to 20, minutes to really knock out your craving but let's say you're a person who eats and you find that eating a little something actually gets you going and now you want to eat so much more for example breakfast a lot of people say oh if i go out and i have a pancake breakfast then i just want to eat again within two hours i'm starving again well, that's because you're raising your blood sugar so much that now it goes and it drops in response to the big rise, and of course you're hungry right away. So a really nice uh, rule of thumb or trick of the trade that I use with a lot of patients is to always pair some protein with your carbohydrate. So you look at the carb, which is the starch, you know, the rice or the bread or the pancake in this case, and the syrup, which is a simple sugar. Let's say you really are going to have pancakes for breakfast. You need to make sure you have just as much protein in that meal. That would be the egg, for example, because if you do that, you will actually slow down what's called your insulin response. You're slowing down the fact that you're going to be hungry again in two hours. So why not throughout the day, every time you're eating, try to pair up and make it 50-50, half of your portion is carb, half of the portion is protein, and then you won't have those moments where you're just driven to eat. That's a definite trick of the trade that I've used for so many people who feel like appetite is an issue for them. I come from the school that says, I'll try anything once. So even though some of these ideas are things I wouldn't have thought to do, I would give it a shot on your recommendation. Great. Thank you. Here's another one. Um, I've met so many people who, in an attempt to lose weight or to lower their cholesterol, et cetera, they buy every fat-free product on the market, fat-free everything. So fat-free yogurts, fat-free cottage cheese, fat-free, you know, even processed foods, everything they do. If it says fat-free, they're going to buy the fat-free. Well, first of all, you're typically getting more carb or sugar when you do that. So that's already not a great idea. But if you don't have any fat in the meal that you eat or the product that you eat, then your body never gets the message to the brain that you're full. So I have had people go into their diet, and all I've had them do This is a little trick. Let's just make one change. Anything you're buying that's fat-free, instead buy it at 2% or 10%, any percent that you want but not fat-free, and let's see if that doesn't help your appetite. Inevitably, it cures the problem with their appetite. They're satisfied because there's a little bit of fat in that meal. That's an interesting one because I'm the one that feels like I'm I'm really accomplishing something when I buy the fat-free product. But from what I understand, they have a way of camouflaging that you're not eating the fat. They're camouflaging the sugars that are going into it. Mm-hmm. That's right, and that just drives you to eat more. So speaking of sugar, many people are going to the doctor now, and they're finding out that they had either a one-snapshot picture of a high blood glucose, or they're even getting a measurement, as you'll know this one, called hemoglobin A1C. 
The hemoglobin A1C is a measure that your primary care doctor often does to see how your blood sugar has been over time. So if you're near the number six or above, they start to get worried that maybe you are heading towards diabetes. Honestly, it doesn't have to be, um, it needs to be over seven before you really get concerned about it. So if you're one of those individuals, ask for a retest. Ask to be tested again in a few months. In the meantime, you can take and lower the carbs in your diet. But here's a few tricks. Uh, Some people are just so frustrated trying to change their diet And they may have made really good changes. They made every change that the dietitian or the doctor has suggested that they still can't get their blood sugar down. So here's a few tricks. Add cinnamon to your meals. Cinnamon tea, cinnamon sticks, however you want to do it. Cinnamon, the actual spice, add it on to the meal. That actually will help bring your blood sugar down a few notches. Really? Why cinnamon? That's something I never heard of either. That's right. Well, cinnamon is uh, a spice, but so as a spice, it is a food chemical, and it happens to have the ability to attenuate your insulin response or bring down the glucose. So it actually just helps to drive the glucose into the cells where it needs to be rather than out in your bloodstream. It's amazing what a little bit of cinnamon can do. I've seen people change only the cinnamon and change their blood sugar levels. Really? Mhm. Again, that's not something I ever heard of or would even consider. I mean, without <laughs> well, endorsing it like that. Mhm. There's also such a thing as what's called a slow carb. So slow carbs is kind of a slang term in the field of nutrition, and basically what it refers to is these carbohydrates that won't be absorbed so fast. So um, if you look into your diet and just see which kind of carbs you're eating, are you eating white rice, are you eating, um, you know, regular bread, or just even the amount of carb you're eating in a meal. If you'll get the carbs that have lower glycemic, like a bean, for example, or brown rice, um, whole wheat or any whole grain, cereals as well as breads, things like that. They are called slow carbs. They're not uh, absorbed so fast. So, again, you could make one change. That trick of the trade of eating slow carbs instead of your regular refined carbs, and that might take your blood sugar down just as well. Cinnamon is an interesting one because I like cinnamon. Uh, So you're saying if you just sprinkle it on what you're eating, it's a good thing? That's how simple it is. You can just buy some cinnamon on the regular spice aisle in the grocery store, sprinkle it on the food you're eating, whether it's an oatmeal or even in a soup. You can hide some cinnamon there, even if you're eating a stir fry. You can also take a cinnamon stick and put it in. Just say you're a person who drinks coffee or tea, but you like a little sugar in it. Well, why not put cinnamon in there, too? If you put cinnamon in, that also will slow down the rise of your blood sugar, so it will control your blood sugar. Some people like cinnamon teas. So let's say you drink the cinnamon tea along with the meal that you're eating. You're doing the same thing. You're keeping your blood sugar lower. What very interesting. I heard an interesting use for cinnamon. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. But I heard if you get the sticks and you leave it out, it's very good as a deterrent for ants. Have you ever heard of that? No, I didn't know it, but is it a deterrent for those little sugar ants that you get in the yeah. kitchen? 
Yes, the tiny little ants. That's what I heard, the sticks. Well, now that's great because now I'll have a, another use for my cinnamon sticks. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad you shared that. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it works, but I did buy it. Okay. Well, it's worth trying, and now you have two things you can do with your cinnamon sticks. And by the way, they really do last a long time. They're not the kind of thing that's necessarily just a one use. So they really last a very long time. Really neat okay. study I saw um, had a weird suggestion at the end, but it's funny. But it's it's important to understand the principle. When you're eating a meal, um, when you first start eating, there's all all kinds of chemistry set up in your body to keep you eating. Because after all, that's how we were designed. We're designed to survive, so we're designed to have an appetite and for certain things to stimulate our appetite and for us to want to eat. And believe me, if any of our listeners have been underweight or they've been maybe had a medication that ruined their appetite, like chemotherapy or something like that, they know the other side of the coin, what it's like to have no appetite. It's a very, very difficult thing to think you need to eat and you really don't want to. You don't have the appetite. It's a turnoff to even talk about food. So... When you are first eating in the first initial four, five, six bites, you have a lot of chemistry that's stimulating you to eat more, eat more, eat more. So after you've eaten the meal, so maybe let's say you've had 25 bites in total, you really are getting so satisfied that your appetite is beginning to get turned off. That's the way it works. Otherwise, we never stop eating, right? And when we let kids like four- and five-year-olds eat randomly, we see that they will eat just the amount they need. They typically, they have a natural inborn ability to do that. As adults, we've overridden all those inborn abilities because we eat for so many other reasons. But that brings up the bread in a restaurant. So I saw this little article and somebody was talking about the fact that they serve us the bread before the meal, kind of to satisfy you, give you something to munch on while you're waiting for the meal to come out. But if you would serve the bread at the end of the meal, research shows that people eat at least 50% less of the bread because they're already full. So the one thing that's raising our blood sugar so much and going directly to making fat on our body is these carbs like the white bread that's served at most restaurants, you know, before the meal. And I don't think we're ever going to change this cultural habit, but if we could serve the bread at the end of the meal, (laughs) you know, we would eat a lot less of it. How many people do you know? I hear it all the time, Joyce, people saying, well, I just don't take the bread, or I tell the, the server we don't want any bread. But don't you really miss the bread? I mean, I really, I like the bread, especially the garlic bread or... I'm very big on bread, but here's how I am with bread. I never thought of it that way. I do eat bread after the meal rather than before the meal. I never thought of it for the reasons you just stated. I thought of it more, I don't know how hungry I am, so let me eat the food. And then if I'm hungry, I'll have a slice or two of bread. So I enjoy it after the meal, but I never knew there really was a motivation for it. Well, look at that. That is so interesting that you do it that way. That's exactly how we should do it. If you're sitting down at the meal, and when you've cooked or one that's cooked for you, let's say you look at the meal. Now, you know what your starches are. So the bread or the white rice or the potato or anything like that. Do yourself a favor. 
eat the other foods like you're doing first. Eat the protein, you know, the chicken, the fish, whatever it is, the beans, etc. Eat the veggies first and then go to the starch. I bet you eat a lot less of the starch. As long as you're not a person who has to eat everything on the plate, you will eat so much less of the starch if you eat it at the end of the meal. So in my I'm mind, ready. I really don't know if that's that is less. The other downside is when I'm in a restaurant and that bread is on the table. I can't imagine not picking up that fabulous <laughs> garlic bread, garlic rolls, and those buns. So there, I have zero willpower. But when I'm home, I do have the bread last. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, see, that's why I call that a trick of the trade. Because if I'm a person who likes to have bread with my meal. Well, let's just say we're at home for now. And I like to have bread, or bread is typically served. Maybe, you know, you're cooking for a family. And so, of course, maybe you've got younger people, too, where their weight is fine. There's no problem. They need the extra energy. So you have bread at the meal. If you could just do that one little trick, wait until you've eaten the meal just for yourself and have the bread afterwards, you probably would then eat a lot less. Otherwise, at the beginning, you're eating so much more bread. I think I consider that a trick of the trade. It's just a little trick, and it's based on the fact of the way we have all this chemistry in our body that first induces us to eat and then tells our brain that we're full. I'm going to wait until my brain is beginning to think I'm full before I'm going to pull out and start eating the thing that gives me most of the chances of being fat and having a high blood sugar. So that's a trick. Yeah, that does make sense. But as I said, at home, I just want to have the meal, and then I take the bread in a restaurant. I would find that impossible. <laughs> well, you have to tell the server before he brings it out, don't bring the bread until we're finished eating. I don't know if they're good. That's why I said I don't think I'm capable of doing that. <laughs> All right. That, then that's, that's, well, we'll have to insert that into your mind somehow. So, But that's going to bring up something I'm going to say later, actually, about reward. Well, let me just say it now because we brought it up. Reward is so important. Um, oh, my goodness. This is a huge field of research, and we're especially getting to hear more and more about it lately, unfortunately, because of the opioid crisis. So when people are addicted to drugs, it's a lot of that is brain chemistry, of course. It's not so much them thinking, I need to have this drug. It's the fact that the pleasure center of their brain is rewarding them biochemically in the brain so strongly for them taking that drug. So food can be that way as well. There are many people who believe that food is truly an addiction for others. So it definitely can be something that, again, hits the reward center of the brain and you feel addicted to the food not that you want to eat it or it'd be nice to eat it or gee i just love eating licorice or whatever it is it's not any of the thinking involved it's a non-thinking process at the level of for example being thirsty i saw a researcher one time who was showing you know some of the research about drug addiction saying we keep trying to tell people to convince themselves not to do drugs or not to do certain things but If you're thirsty, you're going to find a way to find water. So when it's at that deep level in your brain where it's almost an instinct, you really need it, it's very hard. So let's reverse all of that in a trick of the trade that has to do with health psychology because it's behavioral, but it's the behavioral aspect of eating, is to reward yourself tremendously for the things that you do right. So let's just stick with nutrition for now. 
if you eat something that you know is a good thing to have eaten, like today I brought some nuts for a snack this morning. I also have some blueberries for later this afternoon. I already have a mental reward because I know all the chemistry behind that and why those are so good for me. And when I look at the blueberries, I don't just say, oh, great, these are blueberries. I can't help but think antioxidants, anti-cancer, anti-heart disease. I can't help it. That's just the way my brain is wired. So everybody has to know how their own brain is wired. And if your brain is wired to say, if I eat this food, I can go check off my little grid that I put on the refrigerator, or I can check off on my list that I'm eating the healthy foods I should, or eating this healthy food means I get to have some other reward in your life. I don't know what rewards you, but you got to find out what rewards you and give yourself that reward. That and Don't just say, okay, I ate it, I bought it. No, give yourself extra, extra, extra reward. Your, ba- your brain will respond to that so well that you'll actually go seeking out the healthy food like the blueberries again. It's amazing. Everybody needs to try this. Uh, yes, and you mentioned nuts. My understanding that the healthiest one is walnuts. Is that correct? So if you had to, if you really had to make a list, prioritize all the nuts, then yeah, you probably would put, would put walnuts at the very top. You know why? Yeah, that's what I had heard. Because I don't particularly like nuts, but mm-hmm. that's in my brain that walnuts are healthy. They are, and so it, the reason why we really say a lot about walnuts is the kind of fat in a nut that's healthy called an omega-3 fatty acid, walnuts have the highest percentage of that fat. So, And speaking of fat, I know when I purchase meat, I take off every bit of fat, and the butcher will say, but it's good for the cooking to leave some fat on. I'm thinking it's healthy if I don't have the fats. What's your take on that? Well, you don't want to be 0% fat. You don't want to be zero. You need a little bit. Otherwise, you never get that message I was talking about earlier that tells your brain that you're satisfied. So that's why I've one change, just one trick of the trade change I've done with some individuals is say, all I want you to do this week is when you grocery shop, all that 0% fat product you were buying, switch it up to either 1% or 2%. I guarantee you're going to eat less next week. But on the meat, you would leave a little fat on it. That's what they Always. all advise. Mm-hmm. Always. Always leave a and little And I'm bit. thinking it's healthier to get rid of all the fat, but you're saying you need that fat. Well, unless there's fat somewhere else in the meal, you need some amount of fat in every meal. Now, you know what we're talking about, saturated fat. So if we're talking about beef, for example, or even chicken, that fat is saturated fat. So let's move into that one because I've got a couple of good tricks of the trade. I have a trick of the trade for this that's moving. I'm going to try to say that three times real fast. <laughs> that is is working so well that in one of the clinics where I work now, um, they, when the doctor, she it's working for her. So when she has patients who have a cholesterol problem, she calls me in just to give them only this trick of the trade because it works so well. So some of us have high cholesterol. All right. If your diet is high in animal fat, which is saturated fat, that is contributing to your high cholesterol. That's a problem. So the first thing you do is you go in and you take out the animal fat. So you get, let you know, as far as, like you're saying, the fat on the meat. Now, I did say in every meal you need a little bit of fat, but you don't need a lot of animal fat. So try to trim some of that away. Take the skin off the chicken. There's plenty of fat in the meat. 
so you can take the skin off the chicken, things like that. But let's say you're eating well. Like you really cannot find anywhere else in your diet that you can lower the fat and your cholesterol is still high. Well, that's because your own liver makes cholesterol. All of us do. And we are just reabsorbing our own cholesterol every time we eat a meal because it comes out in our bile. So that would take a little physiology to explain all that. But basically, that's how your body works. You make your own cholesterol. And you know your brain needs some. So it's obvious that we would be making some. So you're eating well, but your cholesterol is still high. The only trick of the trade you need to do, and it will make a difference, is that every single meal have a flat tablespoon of oat bran. Now, it can't be oatmeal. It's not oat bran flakes. It's not cereal. It's just the bran part. It does make a hot cereal, but you don't have to do that. You just take a a tablespoon of oat bran, and uh, Bob's Red Mill oat bran is the one that most people buy. It's an organic oat bran, and you just put that at every meal. What it does is it latches onto the cholesterol that your own liver is making, and it takes it out with the waste. I've seen people lower their cholesterol by at least 50 points with only making this one change. O-A-T-B-R-A-N, oat bran. That's it. Yes, and uh, not to plug, but the one brand that um, is easily, it's very uh, accessible, easily, uh, easy to buy even on Amazon or your health food store is called Bob's Red Mill. Red Mill, M-I-L-L? M-I-L-L. Is that one word or two, Red Mill? That's two words, Red Mill. And you stay with every meal? Mm-hmm. You have to or do it at every day. You know, it has to be every meal. And the reason why it has to be every meal is every time you eat, you are excreting into your intestine your own made cholesterol every time, every single time you eat. So you have to put this Oprah in there to capture that cholesterol and then take it out with the waste. I am a big chicken lover. I love chicken, really love it. But here's the problem with that. My favorite part of the chicken is the skin. (laughs) Everyone's (laughs) screaming, no skin, no skin. That's my favorite part of the chicken, where the spices are. So how bad is that? Well, let's, oh, so first of all, bad. So, you know, I know that uh, you have to ask it that way, but I'm going to get on my soapbox just for a second here. I find that for so long we have been looking at food as if it's moral, it's a morality, it's good and bad. So I'm trying to change my language, and I'm trying to say how unhealthy (laughs) or how healthy is that because I just find that so many people, and maybe it's because I do work in oncology so much, have so much guilt over what they eat. And that really shouldn't be our driving motivation, to be guilty or not. But how unhealthy is it to eat the chicken skin? Well, it is pure saturated fat. You know, it's the skin is made from collagen and some proteins, but you're basically getting a lot of saturated fat when you eat the chicken skin. So is that really terrible? Well, I would look at my total dietary intake for the day. And if nowhere else during the day am I eating a significant amount of saturated fat, then I wouldn't worry about eating the chicken skin. Just last week, I had a new Bon Appetit magazine in the mail. I love that magazine. I get great recipes out of there. 
But, you know, they're for tasty cuisine. Nobody asked them to be healthy necessarily. So one of the recipes in there is for chicken thighs, which already that's the fattier part of the chicken, and leave the skin on. And even myself, I looked at that recipe and I thought, do I really want to do that? Well, you need the skin on for the recipe because the skin is going to capture the spices and some of some of the other process of what they're doing. So I thought, well, if I'm going to serve chicken thighs with the skin on, it's going to be on a day where there's very little saturated fat in the rest of the day's intake. And also it's not something I'm going to eat on a daily basis. That's all. So you have to get to the big picture when you answer that question. I look at it since I buy rotisserie chicken that the fat is dripping off because it's rotisserie. It's not soaking in the chicken. So that's why I say how bad could it be? It's soaking down the fats, Mm -hmm. but the skin itself is what's so bad, correct? Right. Well, that's a great question, though. I'm I'm so glad you said it because so many people have asked me about that. When you're looking at a rotisserie, whether it's chicken or another meat, you know, and you see as it's going around, you know, you see the fat dripping off. Um, Even when you cook your own chicken, if you drain, people say to ask me, if I drain the fat off, then then isn't it okay? I mean, obviously, you know, I remember those days when we used to use the fat from the chicken and make a gravy. I mean, those days are gone unless you live in the deep south, I suppose. But when you see the fat dripping off the chicken, that's because there's so much fat in the skin and even the chicken meat that it it can drip off, but there's still plenty of saturated fat left on the skin. It didn't get rid of all of it. Can you explain the difference in layman's terms, saturated fat and non-saturated fat? To me, fat is fat. (laughs) I know, I know, but you know what? You're hitting my next bullet, so that's perfect (laughs) because it does make a difference. So saturated fat, we know it as fat that comes from animals, and also fat that is solid at room temperature. So when you're in the kitchen and the fat that and something that's on the countertop is still solid, like butter, like lard, like the fat that settles after you've made the chicken, for example, or that is visible in the meat, that's saturated fat. So the saturated fat in our bodies It's the same calories as the other fat. It's just that it's the one that's more prone to making high cholesterol and plaques and heart disease. That's the only problem with it is that it's more likely to give you heart disease or or to contribute to your heart disease. But the calories are the same. Which is why I, I use, I can't believe it's not butter. Good. So there you are. So you already did a trick of the trade. You already said, okay, I like some form of butter. I want some kind of a spread. So I've gotten one now that's not pure butter. So now you have one, and especially if it says, if it doesn't have trans fats, that's the next thing you have to look for because that's even healthier. <clears throat> now, what unsaturated. Fat? I get confused with all the fats. What's okay. fat? Okay. Okay. What do you get in non-saturated fat? Give me some examples of that. Okay, so let me finish that then. We finished what saturated fat was, solid at room temperature from animal products. The unsaturated fat is liquid at room temperature. So now you're saying, oh, I understand my vegetable oil or my olive oil. 
Um, fish oil, you can see, is liquid at room temperature. Sometimes when you have a margarine, for example, you now have a, a fat that's so much softer at room temperature. It can even be squeezable parquet, for example, which is totally liquid at room temperature. So all those liquid fats are unsaturated fats. Now, unsaturated fats are the same calories as a saturated fat. They're both nine calories per gram. It's just that the unsaturated fats, not only do they not lead or worsen heart disease, they can prevent it. So, wow, that's why you want to make a big difference. The unsaturated fats that are in the vegetable oils, in nuts, in fish, they can actually lower the risk of heart disease they'll lower your high cholesterol that you might have. They'll raise that healthy cholesterol, the good one, so to speak, the HDL. They'll raise that. That's why you got to look into your diet and compare those two fats. Now, right, trans now fat. About, yeah, that's correct. That's okay. what I wanted to know. Yeah. So a trans fat, it's a, it's a term for a certain chemical structure of how fats are when they are unsaturated. Now, in nature, some of our foods have trans fats, but not too much. Most of the trans fat in our diet has been something we've produced in the lab or the food manufacturers have made. And the way it was made is because we were trying so hard not to eat saturated fats that we tried to manipulate them in the lab. For example, margarine. I mean, younger people wouldn't know this, but margarine's not been around that long. We haven't had margarine for, you know, decades that's a pretty new thing. So margarine is something that we made in the lab trying to get uh, rid of eating so much butter because butter was so much saturated fat. Well, when we chemically manipulated the butter or the oils to make something called margarine, like, you know, especially when you have the spreadable margarine, it's nice and soft, or the squeezable margarine, when we manipulated it, we caused the chemical structure to change to something called trans. The problem with trans fats is that they actually are harmful for us. They can cause more heart disease, and they can also cause cancer. Wow. So your yeah. margarine is not a good thing. I can't believe it's not butter is not a good thing. Well, here's what happened. In 2006, uh, our FDA, they did something for us. They said that the food manufacturers, and USDA was involved as well, and they said that food manufacturers have to tell you if this new food you're eating has trans fats because we have to at least let the buyer beware at least let them be educated. Well, as soon as they did that, so many food manufacturers started removing the trans fats out of their foods. And now if you go and you look on the aisle where you buy your margarine, you'll see that almost every one of them will tell you on the label if it has trans fats or not and then how much. In fact, by the time 2006 came along, they were forced to do that. So now we have... Um, every label has to tell you if it has trans fats or not, but they might even make a big deal of it and say, no trans fat. That's the margarine that you want to buy. No trans fat. Mm -hmm. Um, So the trans fat is harmful, and the saturated animal fat, that's always solid. That one solid, unsaturated, is always liquid. Is that correct? That is correct. There's only one little exception 
and that is that remember I said saturated fats were from animal products? Well, mm-hmm. there are two two exceptions in nature. Kind of uh, they broke the rules. There are two vegetable fats that happen to be saturated, and those are palm oil and coconut oil. Oh, coconut oil is 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 not a saturated fat. So what's happened is even though vegetable oils are typically not saturated, those two are. So a lot of people have gotten very confused over whether they should use coconut oil or not. And it's fine to use. It actually takes a little bit higher temperature than your vegetable oils do, but um, you don't want to have a lot of it in your diet. It's a saturated fat. Coconut oil is is a trans fat. It's a saturated fat. It's a saturated fat. Mm -hmm. Oh, it goes in that category as the exception to the rule. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is something that I think is the most important thing in anyone's diet, so important, I highly recommend it each and every day. I can't think of anything better for your health than to listen to this show. <laughs> and here, in the words of our health guru, is why you should be listening. Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day a way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy, make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the Internet, on Blog Talk Radio. This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions, perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated, and her guests from many walks of life will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, they're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. And let's make Joyce, Barry, and Friends the number one internet radio show. And folks, that was our health guru, Beverly Nadler. She has Here's to Your Health Thursdays. Every Thursday, helpful tips for the mind, body, and spirit. So that was Beverly Nadler, an original poem. And you can become one of our loyal listeners and followers so you need not miss any of our shows because it is good for your health by going to JoyceBarryAndFriends.com and right under my picture on the upper left of the home page, you click on follow and you'll know about all our show, all our guests, all our topics. Every show, eight years of shows, they're all in our archives. So 24-7, you could hear the shows, you can download the shows, you could send the links out to the shows. If you go to the upper right, it's the search bar, you type in Dr. Cynthia Collins 
all Dr. Collins' shows will come up. You'll know all the topics. He's a regular guest each and every month. You click on that, put in Dr. Cynthia Collins or Dr. Beverly Nazar, and all her shows will come up. You can search either by the guest or by the topic. Uh, I just want to give you another important website, not to be missed, creationbalance.com. That's Dr. Collins' website. What can they expect to see in that website, Dr. Collins? So on my Creation Balance website, um, for one thing, you'll see some information there about me and how the website got started and what my motto is. And also I have a few little um, essays on some current topics, as well as um, you can have links to these radio shows. Every radio show I've done has a link there on the website, even a couple of podcasts. And we have our YouTube and Facebook connection on the website all the services are described. Um, I do a concierge service in addition to nutrition and also stress management uh, interventions. So um, that's on the websites, and I'm going to have more podcasts coming out. So please tune in for the podcast and even send in some ideas of things that you would like for me to cover. And you're saying there's a link to your shows with us. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Each radio show has a link on the website. I can't wait to check it out. I know you're in the process of getting it all together. So now I will really look forward to checking it out and referring it to other people. So, folks, when are you going to put these tricks into practice, even starting with one? Please don't tell me you'll get to it someday. You'll get to her website someday. Because for those of you who actually believe this is someday, I wrote this for you. Someday, an original poem by yours truly, Joyce Barry. I went to my calendar and took a look. I discovered that someday was not in the book. I looked carefully, for someday I did seek, but only Monday through Sunday appeared on each week. I got really confused. This was not funny. I always said someday I'd make very good money. I always said someday I'd get everything done. I always said someday I'd be number one. I always said someday this and someday that. Someday is starting to sound like very old hat. I became very sure that something was wrong. No someday on my calendar all along. I thought everything I wanted would come to be. It would happen someday. I kept telling me. It was someday. I kept telling you that all our dreams were sure to come true. How shocking to discover that all along, someday was not in the calendar. How could I be so wrong? How could I not know that why I was stuck was that someday would never, ever show up? There wasn't a calendar anywhere, none to be found, that had someday in it. It would never come around. I always knew that if something is going to be, I am totally responsible. It's all up to me. I thought of my goals and made a new list. How exciting to realize that someday did not exist. 
Now I really know without any doubt that Monday through Sunday is in and Sunday is out. So I ask you women, I ask you men, I ask myself, if not right now, when? So, folks, that's my trick of the trade. Coach Joyce here. Listen to our show every day, 24-7. You can hear the shows. You can download them, send out the links. I want to get into exercise. That's a big thing for me, big in the sense that I don't get to do it. I have more excuses for not doing it, and I know that's very detrimental to health. What are your tricks of the trade as relates to exercise? Excellent question. I'm so glad you asked. I have a um, a group text that I have several clients and patients on. We don't put our names, just our phone numbers. Everybody logs in their exercise. Now, is everybody a big exerciser? No, but our motto is everything counts. I really think that we've got to change our whole view about exercise and just think of it as movement. So if I have a person who says, I parked a little further in the parking lot today, they log it into the text. Actually, even if they stretch that day, they log it into the text. If they only had 10 minutes to do maybe three little crunches or whatever form of exercise they chose, if it's even 10 minutes, they log it into the text. I think we have to start looking at it as some kind of movement for our muscles, for our bones, for our body, even just stretching in the morning. One of my clients, actually, when she wakes up in the morning, before even getting out of bed, she does a little stretching routine that takes about 10 minutes. Everything counts. I think if we start thinking of exercise as just these small little increments of things that we do, I think that trick of the trade is the one that I'm using the most all the time now. And then you're actually doing some form of exercise. So you're saying the trick here is to log it in, know that everything counts, but by writing it down, it'll motivate you to take that next step, two more steps. I just want to say that I'm in the category of folks, perhaps you recognize yourself in this category, that what you do for exercise is jumping to conclusions, flying off the handle, carrying things too far, dodging responsibilities, pushing your luck, pulling someone aside, running your mouth, walking into an argument, stretching the truth, throwing your weight around. The one you really should be doing is lifting yourself up with positivity, inspiration, and motivation. But those are the ways that a lot of people I know, and myself included, Instead of doing what one should be, that's the ones that they do. Wow. When did you come up with that? I love that. So actually, for you are exercising. It's just, that's so clever. I'll have to send you a copy of that. All right. I'd love to have a copy of that. But don't be overwhelmed by exercise. That's kind of the point. That's how this whole, the topic today came out of me sensing so many individuals, including myself, being so overwhelmed by all the things we think we're supposed to be doing. You just find one trick of the trade to do. So just one small thing. Just do that every day and be happy for it. You're doing some form. Otherwise, you're in paralysis doing nothing. So do some. I even have these exercises called pillow exercises. 
And there's all these things, all these things you can do, basically movements with your pillow. Everybody has a pillow. That's all you're doing is movements with the pillow. I'm going to have to give you a copy of that, Joyce. Maybe that will be your exercise. Well, I want to share with you folks that I'm not saying I take it lightly. It's something I'm working on to get into it. But uh, a, a couple of things, I I bring humor into everything. Here's this one. I decided to take an aerobics class. I bent, twisted, gyrated, jumped up and down, and perspired for half an hour. But by the time I got my tights on, the class was over. <laughs> I can truly relate to that one. (laughs) And Orson Welles said, my doctor told me to stop having intimate dinners for four, unless there are three other people there. Okay. (laughs) And one more. I I, I mean, as I said, I have to find the humor in everything. Exercise is a dirty word. Every time I hear it, I wash my mouth out with chocolate. (laughs) Well, now you have the key to everything, and that's humor, right? Yes, you've reached middle age when all you exercise is caution. Okay, I have a lot of those really fun stuff. But on a more serious note, your trick of the trade is to uh, do something, anything, and each day try to do one more thing to add to it and document it. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's my trick of the trade, yes. And do these little tricks. They will cover a lot of big movements. And why do you recommend uh, the natural way? What about that do you want to share? One last thing, and that is above everything else, the fact that people are enduring so much stress right now. That's the one thing that needs to be changed. So the natural thing to do, sit and listen to all the sounds around you. Sit for five minutes and just examine one tree, one flower, one plant. That would be mindfulness meditation, even just for five minutes a day. Get that in there every single day. It will do wonders for your nervous system, for your mental and your physical health. Yeah, very good. Be out in nature, walk. So mindfulness is a very big thing right now. A few years ago, never even heard of the word. Now it's very popular. It is, but when you're in nature and you're walking, here's the key. I just want to share this last thing. Make sure your mind is focused on the nature, not rambling in your head about other stuff. It has to be focused on what you're seeing and hearing only. I think you should talk also about water and water deficit and how important it is to be hydrated. Yes, everyone is worried about hydration. If you're tired, I bet you I'll first see that you're dehydrated. So this is an issue that a lot of people aren't drinking their water. So my trick at the trade there is to have water by the bed. First thing in the morning, drink some water. First thing before you go to bed, drink a little water. And I'm not talking about drinking the whole bottle or a whole cup. I mean just take four or five sips, have water with you all day long, and also count soups, teas, fruits, count those as water as well. But pepper the water into every little crevice of your day. I do keep water by the bed. I do have it first thing in the morning and at night. But I always feel like it's not. I'm not drinking enough. I was told that how you know that you're dehydrated is if you are thirsty, you're dehydrated. Is that accurate? Yes, because thirst is in response to needing hydration. 
So if you're thirsty, that means you're becoming dehydrated. But some people have lost their response to their thirst uh, mechanism. They don't really respond to it, and they don't drink all day long. So you actually need to have the water regardless of how you feel. So, Dr. Collins, why do we need the tricks? Why can't we just get ourselves out there moving and doing the right thing? I think we're over-conscientious. We think too big, and we want to do it all at once and have it all done perfectly, and I think instead we need to back off and do these tricks of the trade rather than being overwhelmed by taking on too much at once. And what message do you want to leave our audience today? What is your message? My message is to keep it simple and make sure you're prioritizing your time, time with people, time with your loved ones, Put humor into everything you do. Make sure you're not getting overwhelmed by the task at hand. Make sure the journey is what counts. I love that you said about putting humor in. Our show yesterday with Beverly Nadler, the health guru, is the healing power of humor. That was our show yesterday. And, folks, if you tune into that, of course, in our archives, uh, we offered plenty of jokes. So we didn't just give the information. We gave the uh, kind of lightness, the humor, humor boosts the immunity system. So there's so many reasons to include that in your healing process and to diminish your stress levels. Uh, Dr. Collins, I really, really want to thank you. I always love it when you're on the show. You're one of the few people that have a regular show every single month. And we're very grateful for you. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we let you go? Thank you very much. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, Thank you for all your support. Everybody keep supporting one another. Thank you. And my message to all of you folks is do a random act of kindness. Pay it forward. Pay it backward. Ellen DeGeneres ends her show with every day be kind to one another. And that's what I say. Do what you can to make someone's day, to make someone happy. Uh, That's my message to you. And here's my special prayer for all of you. May yesterday be the last day, the very last day of your struggles, your suffering, your ill health, your misfortunes, your problems, your pain, your worries, your troubles, your trials and tribulations. May today be the first day. It is the first day of the rest of your life. May it be the beginning of the very best of your life with extraordinary wishes granted and dreams coming true. Make this the most meaningful year of making more money, good health, good luck, good fortune, attracting special people and opportunities, creating magical memories, and manifesting marvelous miracles. Folks, put a little joy in your life. Put a little life in your life. And we invite you to sing along with us, dance along with us, and laugh along with us. And you can do that right here, right now, to the Joyce Barry Mash. Thank you, and God bless you. I was listening to Blog Talk Radio when my ears heard something that I did know. From the speakers of my laptop, I heard a voice. It was the White Oprah, also known as Joyce. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. Joyce Barry mash. She is a coaching smash. He did the mash. 
You'll catch on in a flash. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. I felt so inspired by her show. And her poetry was just so good, you know. I want to listen to Joyce again and again. As Joyce would say, if not now, when? He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. Joyce Barry mash. She is a coaching smash. He did the mash. You'll catch on in a flash. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. Joyce knows all about having fun. She's a home business wizard and she's just begun. She's a coaching sensation for not just me or you or her. It's for everyone. You can mash. Do the Joyce Barry mash. Joyce Barry mash. She's a home business smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can mash. Do the Joyce Barry mash. Wow. <laughs> Have a fantastic day and listen to Joyce Barry and friends. <laughs> Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.